you already know what movies are coming out. We say this all the time. Hollywood does a phenomenal job of marketing their movies. We don't have to necessarily spend a ton of time marketing what movies are coming out. They're fully aware. But we can push them to VR. We can push them to bowling or when we get a new XD ride. Those are the things that might add to that one other ancillary visit that now I'm just building up all this information about you that I can now utilize to try to get you in that X number of more times a year. This is the Box Office Podcast. I'm Daniel Luria, the editorial director of Box Office Pro, the pulse of theatrical exhibition. Here once again with my colleague and co-host, Rebecca Pauly, deputy editor at Box Office Pro. And this week, we'll be looking ahead at the latest releases coming up in theaters here in North America, as well as some questionable concessions items that are for sale at a theater near you around a big blockbuster in the coming weeks. And to cap it all off, our guests this week are Nathan Hunstable, the Chief Technology Officer over at Synergy, and Tracy Hanlon, the VP of Marketing over at Synergy as well. That chain is launching a new subscription membership program that brings in elements of a movie subscription program with its cinema entertainment centers. As far as I know, Rebecca, this is going to be the first of its kind, and you'll be able to learn a lot more about this initiative in the second half of today's episode. But first, let's start the way we always start. Mid-February, Rebecca, what's the last thing you saw? Oh, my gosh. It was some junk on Tubi. I mean, we're going to get fired soon. We haven't been to the theaters yeah, Okay, in like there's been nothing to see. There's been nothing to see. Not too many options at the movies. People have been having to get creative with the programming. That's a big part of the box office last weekend. Let's recap what happened last weekend at the box office, Rebecca, because the new release from director Matthew Vaughn, Argyle, an Apple Films production, Apple Films, Apple TV Plus, Apple Original Films, Apple Original Films, maybe, okay. and then but then Apple Plus is the streaming platform. We don't know Y'all what just to need call to these guys. It. Apple TV just Plus. figure it out. Yeah, uh, well, and then Universal did a theatrical release, but it's not. Well, listen, there's a movie. It's the out. computer company Apple made it. They also make phones. They made this movie. Universal released it. And apparently when the film was first announced three years ago, the blog line spoiled the twist. So I didn't see it, but I know what the twist is. So without revealing the twist that was Mm -hmm. revealed three years ago, what is Argyle about exactly? So, you know, it's, it's, it's about uh, spies, spy adventures, and uh, espionage, and That comedy. sounds a lot like uh, another movie that director Matthew Vaughn made. Another couple. In fact, yeah, two, maybe three, I don't know. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, and basically, also, yeah. this is a filmmaker that is known for making the Kingsman series of films for 20th century studios as we know them now, used to be called Fox. Those movies performed pretty well. Mm -hmm. Early publicity for this title seemed like Henry Cavill, the guy that used to be Superman, was going to play some sort of spy man. I think that's a plot within a plot. Okay. And a cat. 
And uh, like there's in the Kingsman in film, yeah, okay. there's a cat in a backpack. And, and near the end of the film, I, I've heard some pretty intense, intense violent scenes. Uh, so, yeah, listen, 18 million, maybe that's yeah. the best thing we can say about I mean, Argyle. The first Kingsman movie opened to 36.2 million also in February. Okay, never mind. So it made, it made half of what the Kingsman movie made. All right. So maybe not too good of a performance here. And you can see it from the exit polling here, Rebecca. A C-plus cinema score. Ah, wow. That's not good. Yeah. Uh, all right. So $18 million, half, half of what these Kingsman movies. Kingman or Kingsman? I don't even know. There was a more recent one. I think the, the most recent one was actually a prequel. The King's Man, uh, this prequel film, did open only $5.9 million. It was a okay. 2021 release, so like so it's one of those really asterisk count. situations. Yeah. But, you know. Apparently all these movies are real and people watch them and enough people watch them so you'd get something that looks a lot like these Kingmen, Kingsman, Kingman movies to come out, but there was a twist. We don't know what we're talking about. We didn't go see it. I didn't really see it marketed anywhere. Yeah, it was, it was gonna, always going to be a hard draw for us to go see Argyle with two L's. And listen, not too many people showed up from the demographic that makes these type of movies a hit. 76% of that opening weekend audience to Argyle was over the age of 25. That's not a ratio you want for a PG-13 rated spy caper. They're obviously a disappointing opening weekend for this Apple original film's release. But in second place, this is the bright spot. When nothing else is in the market, you have to get creative. You have to look at the content that's out there. And our friends at Fathom Events did just that, getting the first three episodes of the streaming series, The Chosen. The fourth season. Fourth the season, fourth season. The fourth season of The Chosen. They packaged them up into this like feature length event. And through an event cinema engagement that's gonna be running through Valentine's Day, they made money, like a good amount of money opening in second place, the chosen season four episodes one to three from Fathom Events mm -hmm. with, uh, I think it was like a six million six from million, Friday, Six million Sunday. and change, yeah. But it was 7.5 almost, really, when you look at the numbers, including the Thursday uh, grosses. So let's be friendly mm -hmm. here. Yeah, let's like 1.4 Thursday Six. Yeah. So if we consider those Thursday grosses as part of like phantom previews, mm -hmm. because a studio would probably try to get away with that, let's give our friends at Fathom the benefit of the doubt. I'll call this a 7.4 opening weekend. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, the, the season three finale uh, theatrically earned 5.5 million. That's in its entire run. So are this most uh, recent in theatrical installation is already well past that. Good for them. Hey, great result for Fathom Events. And that's the sort of creativity we need from theaters coming in and filling in the schedule in the week spots with something different, something new. Mm -hmm. Great thinking outside the box from our friends over at Fathom Events. And then a little bit further down this top 10, Rebecca, Jason Statham, movie star. He's still there. The beekeeper still punching. Innovation is great, but sometimes uh, you just want to see Jason Statham punch things and blow up buildings. And that is indeed what people did this weekend. To the tune of 5.2 million on about 3,200 screens. Fourth weekend, only a 21% drop from last weekend. And I believe this film, it is on VOD. It is his hit VOD. I'm seeing 
recently, within the last you know week or two, I've seen marketing for the film. You know, really kudos. I think that the marketing for this one has been excellent, just for their really you know keeping it going. You know, you could pay. Well, granted, it's on streaming. It's twenty dollars, so it's a you know a somewhat higher price point, and it's maybe less expensive to go see it in a cinema if you're only seeing it yourself. But you know, twenty one percent drop third place finish for a film that you could watch at home. I think this is another win in the Statham column, and I'm always pleased to be able to say that. And talking about wins, even if they are unintended wins, I've been waiting to talk about this on the podcast. We've seen a lot of well-intentioned marketing fails in this industry. Sometimes you take a swing, and yes, you miss, but you miss so wildly that it is 100% worth the effort of failing. And that is exactly what is happening in the cultural zeitgeist around the infamous, at this point, Dune 2 popcorn bucket. Rebecca, using the PG-13 language that, that we have to use on this podcast, how would you describe the concession promotion item Dune 2 popcorn bucket? to our listeners. Remember, there might be children listening. The lore of the Dune 2 popcorn bucket, I mean, back when the first Dune came out, the first, you know, very initial marketing images even, that was definitely a point that people brought up that the gigantic sandworms that are a, a big part of the mythology of Dune, their mouths look anatomical. Let's just say yes. say that in a same, like a, a pit of Sarlacc way, if there are any, any Star Wars nerds out there who maybe want a little visual. And so, you know, down the line, uh, the poster, the marketing still, you know, that's what the worms look like. They look somewhat amusingly risque. By design. And it works, right? There's something psychological in that. Like it has it's to be kind of like worm. the alien in Alien, like the xenomorph had anatomical horror aspects to it that works with what the movie's trying to do. But understanding that there are, let's call them anatomical horror elements to the design of these creatures, is it then the best idea to use that as the design to your concessions promotional item? In this case, a popcorn bucket that has, I will use the word orifice because that Word can mean many things, and it is technically the orifice of the worm. That's mm -hmm, the orifice mm -hmm. I'm referring to here. And it is a worm. I mean, the side view is it good. Is. It's bursting out of the sands yeah. of Arrakis, a.k.a. the popcorn bucket. Uh-huh. We can't dance around it anymore at this point. If you don't know what we're talking about, you just need to Google, Google a big it. image. Google of it. You'll understand thing. why we're having a hard time describing this in a way without that is offending not. anyone's sensibilities. You have to put your hand inside the worm hole to, to get the popcorn or whatever else you put inside that bucket. It maybe isn't the best uh, design decision for folks like ourselves, but there's been a viral afterlife to this popcorn bucket that isn't even available yet. People in the internet cannot stop laughing at this. And it's been making the rounds on shows like Saturday Night Live, on Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, there's a whole musical sketch about it on Saturday Night Live leading into the double entendre nature, let's say, of the item. Look, I mean, is this the way that, is this what the association that cinemas want to have with a popcorn bucket? No, but- no. No, 
Well, it depends the kind of cinema, not the cinemas that are operating today in Times Square, but the cinemas in the 1970s Times Square. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. probably the best place to sell this sort of popcorn. And look, bucket. I mean, I really hope that the industry and the cinemas, and if you know who, uh, who who's designed or created, which, which company is behind uh, these popcorn tubs, please uh, reach out and let us know just for our own personal curiosity. We must curiosity. interview them. We need to interview the designers of the Dune 2 popcorn bucket. It's like the Nicole Kidman AMC thing, you know, where it, it, it became, <laughs> you know, there was a certain amount of levity about it. I think, you know, people, you know, saying it's it's corny, it's cheesy, but then that kind of circled back around and it's embraced. I say, you know, long live the the Dune 2 popcorn bucket because anything that can get more people uh, talking about and thinking about popcorn as much as I do is a good thing in my book. And I'm, I'm uh, excited to workshop ideas for future releases, uh, what their custom popcorn tubs could be and how they could be made to uh, be odd as well. It has teeth. It has teeth. Yeah, it does have teeth. I don't know how to transition from this. Uh, Let's just say that the Dune 2 popcorn bucket is the most I've laughed at a promotional item in our industry in in many, many years. It's actually a real uh, ask here to our friends in the industry. Uh, We would love to get an interview with the designer of the Dune 2 popcorn bucket. Please reach out to us over at numbers at boxoffice.com if you know who we can talk to because we will get them on this podcast the second we find them. It'll be our first like three hour episode. We have so many questions. I want to pick this person's brain for sure. A lot of questions on the Dune popcorn bucket. But let's move on here now to other items in the industry. We've got movies coming out next weekend. It's not just popcorn buckets for movies that are going to come out in three weeks. It's popcorn buckets and movies and apparently some sort of sporting event. Oh, that's this weekend. It's the Super Bowl. Ah, so we won't have as many movies as we'd like. But but I do like the one movie that is coming out in wide release in theaters this upcoming weekend, Lisa Frankenstein from Focus Features, written by Diablo Cody, who has certainly a big and and, and well-deserved following, stars some people who, uh, you know, Catherine Newton, Cole Sprouse, these are people of, you know, a younger Gen Z skewing demographic. It's happened before where, you know, a, a movie does counter-programming. Like, there are people who don't care about the Super Bowl. There are a lot of us, and there's nothing else to do that weekend. We need these modest successes. Sometimes you just want to see, you know, a kind of Diablo Cody, quippy, feminist, also looks very 80s, fashion-y take on the Frankenstein story. So yeah, this is one uh, that uh, we're predicting opening weekend range of uh, 9 million to 14. We have a domestic total range around the 23 million, 46 million. I mean, I think this is one that we could see have some legs. I certainly think releasing it on Super Bowl weekend is, is, is a very smart strategy. Yeah, uh, hopefully it gets that kind of programming boost that we're all hoping it gets this weekend. And of course, I think the next weekend, uh, Valentine's Day weekend, when we have the openings of Bob Marley, One Love, and Madam Web, is going to be probably the first preview of the real recovery in 2024, just getting everyone ready for that opening of Dune Part 2 on March 1st. Yeah, I think important. Listen, we just went through the worst part of the schedule. I know our friends in exhibition have gone through hell and back 
trying to keep things fresh, program movies in their theaters. It was a great injection of adrenaline from our friends at Fathom Events with The Chosen, season four, parts one to three. That was very welcome. The hardest part of the schedule is done. Those doldrums of January are behind us. We've got Dune 2 opening on March 1st. We've got that Ghostbusters sequel in mid-March. We've got Godzilla and Kong showing up and doing their thing. Things will improve. The hardest period of the year is comfortably behind us. We've got maybe the last bad weekend truly uh, up ahead of us in the coming days. But after that, I think it's going to be a much smoother journey for exhibition. And I think that leads us into our conversation in this week's feature segment with Nathan Hunstable and Tracy Hanlon over at Synergy Entertainment. Synergy has dine-in concepts. They have cinema entertainment center concepts. They've got luxury cinema concepts all over the country. And with so many different touch points that they have with their consumers, you can do bowling, you can go to a sports bar, you can throw axis after watching a movie, you can obviously watch a movie while you're there. So developing a membership plan, a subscription program is tricky for a company that does so many things. It's not as simple, and I say simple in quotation marks, as just developing an all-you-can-see or say a free ticket style subscription plan like other folks in the industry have done. So I had a great conversation with both Nathan and Tracy going over how they developed this program, how they're marketing it, and why it makes sense for their consumers. That's coming up after the break. And Rebecca, we'll see you next week to talk more box office here on the podcast. And again, numbers at boxoffice.com for any and all information about the Dune 2 popcorn bucket, please. I'm We're not letting this story go. No. We, we got a three-week runway to talk about this. Reach out to us. Thanks again. And now without further ado, after the break, Synergy Entertainment's Nathan Hunstable and Tracy Hanlon. And we are back here on the Box Office Podcast with Nathan Hunstable, the CTO of Synergy Entertainment, and Tracy Hanlon, the VP of Marketing over at Synergy. Guys, welcome. A lot of big news here on the Synergy side, but let's start on the most basic way we can here. Can you explain the Synergy concept uh, to our audience? Because it's not exactly a cinema in the way that traditional folks view cinemas. We are very unique in the sense that we actually have three concepts. We have two locations that are traditional cinemas with some additional food and beverage options, including beer and wine. We also have two dine-in concepts that we acquired right after COVID. And then we have the cinema entertainment cinemas, which are the FECs, the family games and movies all in one. We have five of those locations. So we have nine in total. But we combined everything from movies to escape rooms, axe throwing, VR, bowling. Yeah, we've got a lot of attractions. And I, I love the axe throwing after a bad movie. There's no better way <laughs> to feel better after sitting through like, you know, one of those boring two and a half hour talkie movies. Just go to the axe throwing. Or workout, after Thanksgiving, you know. after a, a slasher there film, you, go. you can go throw a couple yeah. axes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just you get inspired, you know, you work on your aim. I'm a big fan. But we've been seeing this concept just grow and grow, the cinema entertainment center space, right? And the fact that you guys not only act as a traditional cinema operator. You also delve into the dine-in space and the challenge of operating a cinema entertainment center, bringing in all these other attractions. It makes the 
challenge of finding a subscription or a membership program the way we've seen other large exhibitors do it, like AMC, Regal, Cinemark. The challenge of applying that to a circuit like yours, which has so many different concepts, so many different moving parts, it's not really a plug and play solution here. Nathan, obviously on the on the CTO side, on the tech side, what were some of the priorities you were looking for in order to have this concept be a reality in the circuit? Yeah, so and that that is certainly the struggle. You know, going back several years, five or six years at this point, pre-COVID certainly. I kind of had this vision of as as we were adding all these these different things into our concepts, you know, every everything that we have has a different system, right? I mean, there's obviously there's the movie side, then there's axe throwing, then there's bowling, then there's the gaming side. We have the escape room system, laser tech system. It's so it's very disjointed. And we realized pretty quickly that there's not one system out there that can do all of it or frankly even do some of it. I mean, things are very siloed in this industry and rightfully so because again, at that point, nobody was really doing this and certainly not doing it successfully. And so I kind of had this vision of, I wanted the from a guest perspective to feel the same, to look the same, to be the same interface and the same wording. And, and unfortunately at that time, it, it was very disjointed. I mean, we had systems that didn't integrate into our loyalty program. You didn't get points or you couldn't sign in or all that kind of thing. And so the idea was, let's figure out a way where we can get all of this kind of intertwined to work together. And unfortunately, that's a great plan, but even that was very difficult because those systems just don't talk or there's personalities involved that don't want to do it or it's expensive or it's time and all that. And so we kind of figured, all right, well, let's create our own kind of system or middleware. and We call it Synergy HQ. And so it's kind of the brains between all of these systems, right? It's the bridge between it all. And what that allows us to do is now kind of make it seamless to the guests, whether you're in center, you know, it, you may have four or five different touch points in the, in the, when you're in the building. So let's change the systems around, create our own so that it's, it feels natural and it's very smooth, right? And let's make it easy to spend money when you're there. Um, and when you're outside of the system, all the different logins and all the different places, it looks the same. It feels the same. It's the same verbiage. It's controlled from a back end that's the same for us, even from a management standpoint. That's a huge issue when you're having to log into five or six or more systems every night to close out. So getting all that together um, was a huge endeavor. I mean, I think that it's been a long road and here we are five or six years into it. I was about to say marketing and, and I think between marketing and technology, we've been pushing for this for a while. Yes. And we knew it was going to take a lot of work to get it all to talk, but we've been wanting this to happen for a long time now. So we're really excited when it finally launched. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting concept because as I understand it, well, we do have membership programs and subscription programs for traditional cinemas, and that has its own share of nuance, right? Do you roll over? How many credits? The pricing? How do you get your best consumers? I've never seen this applied to something as varied and diverse as a cinema entertainment center. Because I can imagine as a consumer, if I'm paying you guys a monthly fee, to go to your sites and say, I can't access one specific part of one of your locations, or I spend a lot of money doing one thing and those points don't transfer over. 
it's just going to work against what you want to have that relationship with your consumers be. So finding that middle ground is always really tricky. I want to hear about how you guys cracked this. Where did this start? Did you look at other programs? And how did you determine this tiered system you rolled out? We started years ago, and we actually hired a research company to do some of the work for us as well surveying our current elite members, and then also looking at other programs, competitors outside of the industry. You think about it, just about everything has a membership these days, whether it's a car wash, your nail salon, your gym, med spa, spa, everywhere. Everybody has a subscription. And we really wanted to make it to where our loyalty, our guests got the same benefits and they get access to things that non-members won't get access to. And they get rewarded for their spend and their loyalty. And we wanted it easy for them to use and for them to be able to share with their family. So if I can't make it into the movies this you know month or this week to play games, I'm going to let my kid do it. Or my 20-year-old can, can come in and use my ticket. We don't want to restrict that people. We I, That was the thing we learned with a lot of these programs. A lot of people didn't want to sign up because of the restrictions. And it was like, oh, I have to physically be there and show my ID in order to use this ticket. And I think from a technology standpoint, not being able to tie into all these systems, it almost... Because of everything we have in the building, if we said, great, we have a membership program and it's very clunky, you know, maybe it's tied in really well with the movie side, but the gaming side and the food and beverage and discounts and all this stuff, it, you know, it just, it didn't flow well. It wasn't going to work. I mean, that makes the marketing side difficult. That makes retention difficult. It almost delegitimizes the whole system if it's like that. And so another thing that made this difficult is we, like she said, we have three different concepts. So making it work across all three concepts and work in between systems. If I go to a traditional theater and then I go to an FEC, it still works. And all the same benefits that you signed up for at your other center, they still work. And so getting all that to tie together and making sure that all the offerings worked was, you know, was, was key to us from the beginning when we were designing it. Yeah, I think it's, it's it's a key part of the challenge that you guys took on. And it's exciting that you've been able to, to launch this under different membership tiers. Could you guys walk me through what those membership tiers look like? Maybe some of the differences. And I know it changes between locations, but it just goes to, to show how you had to customize this program for it to be right for your consumers. Because your consumers are very different than the consumers on a membership program of, say, a big box corporate chain, like an AMC, Regal, a Cinemark, those expect something out of a network of theaters, a national network of theaters. Those theaters are part of a night out. You go to the movies, you go to dinner. Synergy is different. You guys don't have as wide of a footprint, but every single one of your locations is meant to be a destination. That's an entire night out. That's the entire concept of going to Synergy. So with that in mind, how did you break these different uh, categories in terms of membership? Yeah, so the FEC ones, we have three different tiers. There's there's a, and really from a from a movie perspective, there's a gold and a platinum, right? And and it's a combination of several things. One is, is how many free movie tickets that you get, right? Which I think is the common denominator to these other systems. That's very easy for them to do. You get some free movie tickets. There's a flat rate ticket. You get so many every month for you've used up your free ones, but any other ticket that you buy is, you know, a couple dollars off. And then there's the point system, right? The loyalty piece to it. You get double the points or triple the points, depending on what tier you're on. And that's where the similarities kind of end with some of those other systems. Obviously, we have things around waived online ticket fees. But when you start getting into the food and beverage discounts, there's a 10% off 
for any food and beverage as long as you utilize your your membership. You get a game card. You get you get on the FEC side. You get two different things. You can get a dollar amount onto a card every single week. For instance, the platinum you get ten dollars every week. So every every week we will deliver you know a ten dollar game card to you via email. You can do it in the center or even to the app. We deliver it. You get a notification and it pops up in, in your app. It's fully managed from the app. And then you also get an attraction pass, which means I can some of our attractions you can utilize as kind of a, a free pass. And so you'll get two of those every month. And it's same thing. It just delivers and automatically renews into your system. Then there's a gold package, which is same thing, but a little bit different dollar amounts. And then we didn't want to, because at three of our sis at our locations, we have bowling as well. So we have a third tier at those locations for bowling. And so that kind of is the opposite. It takes out the movie piece and adds in bowling and you get so many free games of bowling and shoes and all that every month. And so we're trying to kind of cater it to each, each guest profile, if you will, depending on what they're trying to come into by identifying what those features would be. And I think you've priced it very competitively and it changes by location. Of course, that happens with any subscription program in this industry. It can go anywhere between $10 a month to $22 a month. And looking at some of these perks, guys, it seems to pay for itself if you're the consumer <laughs> on the first weekend of the month. I mean, it's a no brainer if you just want to go once a month, even if you don't want to go to the movies, even if you just want to go to an arcade and have a drink. This might be a good deal for those folks that maybe are not super convinced about the film slate on any given quarter. Or even for a family that's like, you know, I know my daughter might use that movie ticket and I'm going to use the game card or whatever or, or the discounts. It the discounts alone it pays can pay for, for itself it, yeah. for sure. And I, just in the first month that we've launched it, we have way exceeded our expectations as far as signups. We have over 300,000 Elite members and Elite Plus. So if you combine the two, it's over 300,000 now. Now, one of the things about subscription programs for uh, regular traditional movie theaters is that it seems to push folks that are members of these programs to films that maybe they wouldn't traditionally buy a ticket for. With a cinema entertainment center, you have so many different spaces and any part of that square footage that is being underutilized has an impact on your revenue. Have you seen any trends in terms of your users to this membership program that maybe have pushed them to different parts of those entertainment centers that maybe didn't have as many people before? Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly the trend and certainly was the design behind it, right? I mean, we're just trying to, you know, she mentioned the studies that we did at the beginning. If we can get these people from a business standpoint to just come in one more time, two more times a year, the revenue upside is exponential. And so being able to, I mean, it gives us that ability to your point of, okay, well, even on those slower days, people might come in and burn an hour and a half at the bowling lanes when they may not have done it before or laser tag or some of the VR stuff or escape rooms. I mean, things that they may not, it's hard to go there, you know, and see a movie and then stay another two hours. I mean, you're talking a four or five hour experience, but if I can split that up now and it's actually beneficial. I'll save money and, and it's fun. I mean, all these other features, that certainly is the goal behind it from our perspective and to the guest. Yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. And, and in those markets, especially the ones with the FECs, we kind of own the entertainment space. So if they want something to do on a Wednesday night, you know, right this time of year is kind of an interesting time of year. It's cold outside. School's back in session. But over the summer, why wouldn't you go midweek with some of these other features that you've already paid for that are you know, essentially free in a lot of ways. It's not going to cost you anything to go play some games and 
do a couple VR games. So that is certainly the objective, and we're, we're absolutely seeing that. The redemption so far has been pretty awesome in the first month. And I think, too, as we roll out new attractions, new games, uh, new escape rooms, these are going to be the members we're going to invite to come try them for the first. They get to see them before everybody else. And we want their opinions on it, too. It's a way to keep in touch with your best customers and make sure that they're engaged and keep on having them come back. Another aspect that I think is a huge advantage that cinema entertainment centers have in the industry is, say, a slow weekend because there's something else happening out there in the entertainment world. I'm just thinking I'm a big college football fan. The Sugar Bowl is on, the Rose Bowl is on, the National Championship game is on. I'm probably not going to go out to the movies. I might go to a bar. But you guys have had the sort of partnerships and even the flexibility where in your restaurant and bar spaces, you can offer these things that aren't tied to a movie ticket sale and still get customers in through the door. Right now that we're in the middle of the NFL playoffs and in the buildup to the Super Bowl, how has your business been like? Because I know a lot of exhibitors are suffering with that being a competition. Do those programming events work towards your advantage in these other aspects of your centers? I think so. I, I mean, I think it, what, what benefits Synergy is we do have a really nice size bar area and our bowling screens too. When you bowl, we mm -hmm. play the, the sporting events are up there too. We also offer UFC. We have a partnership with them. So we do the UFC fights for free in our bar area. And we've seen tremendous attendance for some of these events. And I think that helps us that when, when there are slow times or when there's not a big movie coming out, we have other things that we can promote, whether it's games or attractions or come check out these events at our bar or we could run a bowling special. Yeah, I mean, I think it's that's the key. There's no secret that the cinema entertainment side is the wave of the future. I mean, through COVID, when everything was down, we still had people coming in for those reasons. We still had something to offer. And so even now, the next several months or quarters obviously is a great example of there may not be a new movie that's decent or there may not be a movie at all but our numbers are still pretty good because people are still coming in they're still looking for things to do in those markets because they can that's their entertainment and if it's not a movie it's something that then, we can offer and the nice thing is we do have the membership program and the loyalty that we can talk to our guests and let them know what we do have going on outside if there's not yeah. a big movie yeah and it's awesome i mean with the launch of our app last year as well and fully tied into this program, it gives us the ability to have that constant communication to send them, you know, some of these offerings or these kind of one off the box things and, and give them opportunity on a Wednesday afternoon or a Tuesday night. I can send them push notification for half price bowling on a night that normally would be pretty dead. I mean, we have that reach now because of these systems that we've put in place. It's, obviously paid dividends. Or if the kids are out of school for holiday, Absolutely. bring them in. Here's a $10 game card. Yeah. Um, so and once they're in, we have all these things that can keep them there. And that's obviously the goal. And, and that's why, you know, it's working. And that's a, such a, a key part to this conversation, the family component. There's a reason why it's an interchangeable term, cinema entertainment center and family entertainment center. It's a destination to bring four or five kids. If you're not into one aspect of the experience, you might be into something else. And another key on why you really need to have as much data as possible on what type of activities your customers like, especially your best customers. Maybe it's a customer that really likes bowling. Maybe it's a customer that doesn't like bowling at all. You kind of need to know that in order to tailor your messages week over week. Exactly. Because of these systems that we've put in place where everything is tied together, traditionally, I wouldn't have that much data to link all those things together, right? I would have my built-in loyalty system, and I know, I know what movies you like, and I know that you like cheeseburgers. Well, that's great, but what I 
don't know that we are learning is you also bowl a little bit. You really like these specific video games. You love VR. So now I can cater. You already know what movies are coming out. We say this all the time. Hollywood does a phenomenal job of marketing their movies. We don't have to necessarily spend a ton of time marketing what movies are coming out. They're fully aware. But we can push them to VR. We can push them to bowling or when we get a new XD ride. Those are the things that might add to that one other ancillary visit that now I'm just building up all this information about you that I can now utilize to try to get you in that X number more times a year. One great example I like is the Ghostbusters. So with Ghostbusters coming out, we have a new Mm -hmm. VR hollow gate game that's Ghostbusters theme. So we can target all of those people that come to see Ghostbusters. Hey, come play this game. You like the movie, come play the VR game. There's an entire marketing campaign around that. We already know they know about the movie. So let's try to tap into some of that other information. And I love that because you're looking at out-of-home entertainment, not as competition, but as a driver to help complement your attendance. You mentioned you get a great marketing support from the studios, but when the studios don't have enough product to back that up, enough movies on the slate to back that up, you can go to any other part of your entertainment center, or like we were saying earlier, if it ever happens, I'm not sure if it's going to happen this century, should the Cowboys ever have a deep (laughs) run in the playoffs, Okay, you could say, hey, you can watch these games at our locations. I don't know. I mean, the Longhorns are doing well, TCU, I don't know. Maybe another football team you can bring to drive in that attendance. I just have to push you guys. I know our friends over at AMC have been having a great time with the Chiefs. We did partner in the last with, five years. for some of the bowl games and offer that at a few locations in the auditorium and, and at the bar area. And the auditorium events went really well. Now, we had to kind of tie it in, not just because you can watch the game anywhere, but we had to make it more of an event. So it became you got a game card, you got a food special, drink specials, and other things that go along with that game. Yeah, and I think that's – I mean, the – in a post-COVID world, as we go forward, that that secondary content, I think, will become huge. It, it obviously has a market in the past. And I think going forward that, you know, you've seen this Taylor Swift stuff and, and the concerts and, and everything that you can do with all that alternative content, that's only going to grow. And so to that, to Tracy's point, having all of that, we have this ability to bundle stuff, right? And even if it's just from a marketing standpoint, I mean, that's people might say, wow, we could go do this, this, and this all under one roof in the course of two hours. That makes all the sense in the world, especially if I can get 10% off food and beverage or whatever the scenario is from our membership benefits. So I think one thing that also makes us unique, and you can talk about it, Nathan, is the app and how you can order food and beverage and have it delivered pretty much anywhere in the building. To the same point, um, I don't know that there's another system out there in the industry, and maybe I'm wrong, but it's certainly not tied into this degree. But the ability to pre-order your food. I mean, we have the ability to purchase a movie ticket, pre-order your food. We have our QR system that's also fully integrated, runs on the same platform. We can text to order so you can actually confirm your order and it'll just get delivered to wherever you end up in the building, whether you're sitting at a table at the bowling alley or you're in an auditorium. That's been a unbelievable experience to watch the guests fall in love with that ability. And I don't know to to my knowledge, that that exists to that extent in the industry. Oh, it's a game changer for families. Try chasing an eight-year-old around a complex. Can you imagine going to see one of these sporting events at a sports bar with a (laughs) 12-year-old, with a 10-year-old? It's not going to be a good time. No, You're not going to be very comfortable at a sports bar with your kids. But 
having the same content in a comfortable place where maybe your nine-year-old doesn't like football, doesn't like sporting events, they can do something else. But they like laser tag. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they like laser football. tag. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a, you're exactly right. I mean, and even in our building, even on a on a non-sporting time. I could be sitting at the bar while my kids are playing video games. I mean, that ability versus just sitting in the corner at, you know, one of these other trampoline parks or something, bored to tears. I, there's stuff for me to do as well. And our video games obviously are incredible. So the full family experience, you can get there in one roof. Heck, we have families that go see a movie while the kids are in the, in the game room playing games or vice versa. I mean, so A, that helps. A, it keeps them entertained. But B, it helps us from a revenue standpoint. You know, there's nobody. You're always spending money and you're always in the building. Uh, you mentioned those trampoline parks, man. That's a hall of broken bones. I don't want to go anywhere near those things. The number of like request and release forms you have to sign before going into those things, man, high risk, high drama. Well, Nathan, Tracy, thank you so much for joining us here at the Box Office Podcast. It's been great to chat. And that was Synergy Entertainment's Nathan Hunstable and Tracy Hanlon here on the Box Office Podcast. Earlier, you heard from my colleague, Rebecca Polly, and I'm Daniel Luria. Thank you again for joining us. The Box Office Podcast is produced by Record Edit Podcast in collaboration with Box Office and Box Office Pro with new episodes coming out every Thursday. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye.